What does Australia's next generation of young leaders have to say about the future of India-Australia relations in a post-COVID world? And how do Indian scholars, scientists, practitioners and students factor in? You're listening to Shared Visions, the podcast that spotlights the Australian government's new Colombo plan and gets to the heart of these questions. Today, we speak with Emily Dekranis, a student of criminology at Victoria University, and Professor KVD Prakash, a dean and professor at Centurion University in Orissa. This is uh, Professor KVD Prakash. Uh, I have been in the capacity of a dean HRD in Centurion University from 2016. And uh, currently, I also uh, handle this particular program, which is the SIPP program, which is called as the Student Internship Exchange Program, which is under Centurion Globe. And I come with a background of 24-25 years in the most of it uh, done in the corporate and then later to the academic year, uh, the academic side of it. Got it. And what do you uh, what do you teach at uh, at Centurion? Do you teach at Centurion, or is it uh, yeah. an administrative role? I do teach uh, more of strategic management okay. uh, and organizational behavior, uh, leadership development, and training and development. So I'm Emily. Um, I'm currently studying a double degree um, at Victoria University, so criminology and psychology, and I'm currently in my fourth year out of five years, so just over a year left to go. Um, And I was fortunate enough to be able to participate in the NCP program last year. It was around this time last year that we left to come to India, Um, so a year goes pretty fast. Definitely. Yeah, it's gone crazy fast, but um, yeah, very grateful for that opportunity that I got given last year. Definitely. So you study criminology, correct? Yeah, criminology and psychology. Interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, I th- I think thinking about a subject like criminology and or criminal psychology, uh, as opposed to maybe other scholarly disciplines, I would imagine that there's a lot of different things to gain depending on where you are in the world, right? Yes. Like yeah. A practical a practical basis for the knowledge gained in criminology will be will look very different in India as opposed to Australia. Yes, so very different. Just tell me a little bit about what it was like to study the subject matter in India and also kind of contextualize it with what you experienced it uh, what with, with what you experienced in India. Well, a lot of the so a lot of the students on the tour were actually law students. So when it came to learning about like the Indian constitution, um, it was it was pretty difficult for me to understand because I don't even know the Australian constitution yet. Um, so learning about just the Indian justice system and how different it is compared to our justice system here in Australia was um, was very eye opening to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that different crimes um, and so forth are handled in India compared to how it is handled here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a hard, like it's a stark reality, you know, comparing the two systems. Um, yeah, that's for sure. 
Definitely. Stark reality, uh, how, in terms of something you experienced, did you personally witness something that kind of made you have that realization? Just just the um, prisons in India um, and, like, the courts in India. Um, I think we went to, I can't remember the name of the high court that we went to, um, but we did see, you know, the conditions of certain prisons um, and... You know, the way that they go about with trials at the High Court, um, very different to how they do it here in Australia. Um, I think that Definitely. was by far one of the eye-opening ones. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an interesting discussion uh, as far as India is concerned because I the thing is, on the one hand, uh, the difference is quite stark, as you mm. said. Yeah. But on the one hand, uh, certain things about the justice system in India are kind of oddly progressive in a way yes uh, yeah. you know for, for instance something i know about the mumbai high court uh, just from living here is that it's one of the few courts that has been very aggressive in digitizing all of its cases yes and creating a digital archive of a lot of different cases and the another example i can think of is the supreme court uh, in the past year actually passed some of the most progressive legislation in indian history mm. uh, specifically when it comes to women's rights and women's safety and I know that that's uh, also an issue that you uh, have been uh, contending with, like through your studies. Yes. So yeah. tell me a little bit about that as well. Is that kind of the primary area of law and justice that you're interested in or where do your interests lie? So my interest in like the criminology field is more the psychology based. Um, so getting behind why someone does or why someone commits a murder, mm-hmm. um, what factors led them to do it. Um But learning about the women's rights and, you know, the women's crimes in India compared to Australia was very interesting to learn as well. Um, Right. Yeah, that was very eye-opening as well, um, the difference between women's rights both here in Australia and in India. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, Professor Prakash, uh, you know, I've been, I've read a little bit about the SINDP program that you're involved with, uh, you know, acting as a liaison for uh, different international students such as Emily to come through Centurion University and kind of pass out from there. And, you know, you're kind of involved in this uh, uh, cultural exchange of students and this ecosystem of knowledge as well. So tell me a little bit about that experience and what it's like to, you know, act as uh, you know act as a host for so many different students from different cultures and kind of what you've gained from that experience yeah i i think it's very interesting because we have various walks of life and cultures and that makes uh, things very different and specific to this program which emily has done yeah. uh, this program was done between january 30th to february 17th 2020 Okay. And what we have done is uh, we have taken through uh, a collaborative approach with National Law University, uh, which is at Katak. Right. And we have also uh, taken them through a practical understanding, actually how a court functions, a police station functions, hmm. and also making them to meet the DGP and also the Commissioner of Police. Oh wow! So that they could interact and learn, and also get into the kind of questions, dwelling into it, and getting to know how it is uh, actually handled in India. Moreover, right. we have also taken them to, uh, as you rightly mentioned, uh, as women in the justice system, hmm. and that is something which they have also gone through. 
in terms of uh, understanding how the laws are framed and mm. how the changes have taken place over a period of time mm. uh one of the other things which we have also done is we have during this course of the program while they have come for learning criminology more to do with the law of the land of india we mm. also have exposed them to culture uh to give them glimpses of the various kinds of uh the melting pot of cultures which is existing in india so that they can get a glimpse of it and understanding how different uh, people are in terms of their habit habitat and also in terms of their walk of life they have we have taken them to parla community which is our mother campus which is about 256 kilometers away from bhubaneswar yeah so they have spent a lot of time with respect to the tribal people uh, mm. they are almost like the indigenous kind right and they also have been able to interact and understand some of those origins and how they actually are today also safeguarded and how we operate with them got it yeah as a university we have always been impacting these people in a certain way and that is something which we have also presented to the students of this particular batch of students who had come mm-hmm. but i think one of the questions which you have asked me about the student internship exchange program and the various universities uh, of the collaborative program well i think uh, there has been a different kind of experience because what they uh, understand and uh, internalize is something very different from one uh, individual to the other individual mm-hmm. for example there is a tribal art some of the students have actually done it and that was very different for one group to the other group because yeah. someone would really do it and someone probably wanted to go through it so um, it's different it's a, it's a different kind of experience and i think we thoroughly enjoy it. uh and, and more importantly i think uh, there is a lot of interaction between the students of uh, this university and also the other university that way the ncp program really helps because they get to understand how different they are and what are the kind of practices and where they probably need to bridge up the gap i think that's what i would like to summarize yeah yeah i absolutely agree and having you know such a diverse community of students coming through the university it doesn't only enrich their perspective but it also enriches your perspective because you get to meet uh, you know people who are young and people who are kind of going to be defining the path forward for a lot of these disciplines uh i want to talk a little bit about uh, that uh, exchange you mentioned that where uh, emily and other students went to go meet uh, the joint commissioner of police and you actually got uh, the commissioner of police you, uh, sorry the commissioner of police and you got sort of a hands on view of the justice system uh emily tell me about you know your first impressions from that and just kind of maybe in what way that impacted your understanding of uh criminal criminal justice and maybe even criminal psychology well there was um there was one point in time where we had to sum up our time at centrine university and um i don't know if professor prakash remembers but i said that meeting the police commissioner um was the highlight of my whole trip um mm-hmm. he made such a positive impact on 
you know, my way of thinking, but also set a solid stone for what I wanted to do as a career and really, really made it, um, really made it sure for me that that's what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, like I said, I've never met anyone that's had such a positive impact on my life and my education. Um, and the fact that he was so honest and so true to his words, um, that was pretty inspiring as well. Was he kind of sharing his uh, things about his career or cases? Or yeah, he was. Of- yeah, his career um, about like the flaws of the justice system, and you know, mm-hmm. he acknowledged that at the same time, which I think is pretty powerful um, mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't, or a lot of people in power don't really um, accept, you know, the flaws in their system. And for him to accept that and to then go on to explain how he wants to improve the flaws in the system. I think mm-hmm. that was pretty powerful, not for my, not just for myself, but for the other students that were on the tour as well. Definitely. Yeah, Ronok, I just want to add to what Emily has said. Absolutely. Dr. Satyajit Mahanti was actually, uh, he has done his doctorate in criminology. And okay. moreover, he was a professor and he was teaching in Scotland Yard. Oh, so he wow. has a blend of both the West and the East, and he would relate. And that is exactly what he did in his session with the uh, group of students where Emily was a part of it. And uh, then he opened the, uh, you know, uh, question and answer session. Mm. Uh, And that is what exactly Emily has been uh, also trying to tell you. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. That's, uh, it's quite rare actually to come across someone high-ranking in Indian police systems with uh, sort of a a mixed academic and professional background like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, and he also, like, showed us around um, the Royal Commission Palace, like the place, and Mm -hmm. he showed us, you know, behind the scenes of everywhere, and um, he wanted to – I remember his words. He said he wanted to showcase his home, and so that that meant a lot to us as well. Definitely. Yeah, and I think with a lot of cases like that in India, you know, when you meet people who are very skilled in their field or at the top of their field, there's still uh, sort of that level of uh, kind of gra- groundedness where they will kind of show you where they come from or mm. there's always that element of whether you call it hospitality or whether that's open-mindedness, whatever it may be, there's always uh, that element of bringing it back home and just grounding it in some real experience as well yeah. beyond just uh, telling you about you know their career and professional achievements and so on uh, but one thing you one thing that stuck with me about what you just mentioned Emily uh, is how he was uh, how kind of he had the self-awareness to talk about the flaws in the system mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's something that uh, I also thought a lot about uh, when you wrote in your answers to us about you know your experience now having experienced the pandemic uh, you know, it's natural for us to think about uh, kind of the disparities that exist between our collective experiences in Australia versus our experiences in India. And uh, you had a lot to share about, uh, you know, how your experience in India impacted the way you've seen your uh, personal uh, life being impacted by the pandemic. So uh, tell me a little bit about that. Like, how has it been as a criminal psychology student going through the pandemic and you know, are there things that you've been thinking about recently that are informed by your experience in India? I just, you know, going through the pandemic here in Australia, you know, during our lockdown was pretty tough. Um, being mm-hmm. in lockdown for a few months, you know, it's not what anyone wants. But um, being in India and, and hearing about, you know, India's lockdown, um, but, you know, Indians weren't, um, 
you know, upset over the fact that there was a lockdown. They just um, went along with the lockdown. They didn't hesitate against it. Um, from what we heard here in Australia on the news um, mm-hmm. and then seeing how here in Australia a lot of Australians ignored the rules, ignored the lockdown. Um, it just sets an example of, you know, India is a third world slash developing country um, and with a huge population they still, you know, followed the rules, whereas here in Australia we've got a developed country um you know, we've got every household basically has, you know, um, internet, computer, phone, mm-hmm. you know, things to keep yourself occupied with during that lockdown and still here people weren't grateful for what we had. And I think that, like I said in my responses, that was the one mm-hmm. um, eye-opening thing that I've taken from India, that Indians are a lot more um, grateful for what they've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think that's definitely true of yeah. uh, certain parts of India, and at least in terms of the 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 fact that people aren't the fact that people believe that what's happening is real, mm. and that uh, you know there is there isn't this uh, kind of flagrant uh, this widespread thing where there's a flagrant uh, disobedience of the law or anything. Mm. Uh, that said, uh, you know. India being as big and populated as it is, and there being so many different levels of society and social class, it is complicated to kind of navigate this space. And it is complicated, especially from the police and Mm. the criminal justice's perspective to control the pandemic and to make people actually understand from from not even from uh, the diseases perspective, but from a civics perspective, why it's important to do what we're doing through the pandemic. Mm. Um, uh, Professor Prakash, uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that in terms of your experience uh, through the pandemic and maybe, you know, how the Indian criminal justice system, uh, you know, what kind of role it's played in it. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting that the first uh, time when the lockdown happened, I think people did not take it very seriously. Definitely. The government had to really uh, push on and really come hard to levy certain rules mm-hmm. and uh, including the curfew and also the limitations of time. I think then people started getting more aware and more sensitized that there is definitely yeah. something more serious than before. And there I think the administration, uh, whether it is uh, the criminal uh, side of the law or mm-hmm. the administration in terms of the uh, you know, the administration people like the cops, I think any one of them, they really have been able to put some strictures and that really helped to sort of bring the whole thing under control. Mm -hmm. However, in certain states, it was not, and it was out of proportion, but in certain states, people probably have followed it and that is what uh, things happened. So they were, had to take some major measures, Yeah. whether it was in Delhi, whether it is to mm-hmm. do with Bangalore, or whether it was to do with Bombay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Odisha, I think people were very much in the control of it. I think there mm-hmm. was a constant review and there was an advisory committee which was set up. And this was mm-hmm. directly operating with certain administrative policies. And there are clear protocol and circulars time to time explaining and uh, whether it is relaxation or giving a foresight of how and they have to approach. 
Yeah. But at the same time, the CM also had played a vital role in motivating people, including the PM, uh, Mr. Narendra Modi. Mm. I think he played a vital role in terms of motivating people and coming to the national broadcast and explaining the intensity and why we need to be careful. Mm -hmm. I think that was important. So the entire judiciary yeah. system had come together with the government to take a collective approach. And that is how mm. I think uh, India has been able to, I would not say overcome, but I think yeah. able to deal with it. Definitely. But I do think that at the more grassroots level, at the at a very hyper local level, right, like in a neighborhood, say in Patna or like a, a small, uh, you know, a sort of society in Chennai or something that doesn't that, you know, where people aren't wearing masks or they yeah. just kind of believe that, oh, yeah, nothing will happen. Right. Like there's kind of this colloquial knowledge that not knowledge, but a colloquial misunderstanding that people have that, oh, yeah, like what Indians say, like Kuchna Yoga, like nothing will happen. Uh and I think, at, you know, so I, I think, you know, it's actually kind of similar in that way to Australia and what Emily said in that there's there's the problem is kind of misinformation at, at a very hyper local level that hmm. people kind of tell each other by word of mouth that nothing will happen. And so most people just believe that nothing will happen and just go about their daily life. So I'm just I'm just wondering, you know, how can how can both how can we kind of address this issue in both countries? Like, how can we try and prevent uh, the 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 local word of mouth spread of nothing will happen or yeah it's fine don't wear your mask or oh yeah it's going away or something like that like uh, do you do you all have any thoughts on that I feel like personally like in Australia we get misfed information quite daily um, the government say one thing and then our state government say a different thing um, and then the news says another thing um, social media says another thing so I think from Australia. I think if the government are just honest from the front, um, the front most, just from the start, if they're honest, they give us all the facts, um, the statistics about you know what's happening. This is this is what's happening. Um, you know, then we've got the evidence that okay, this is real. Or for those people that don't believe it, they've got that yeah. hard evidence that it's out there. Like we need mm -hmm. to be in this together to overcome mm -hmm. it properly. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we 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 are yeah, we kind of basically need more of what uh, Professor Prakash mentioned about the CM of Orissa uh, delivering statements on TV. We we need yeah. more assurance from people who are kind of at the top. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, one uh, more thing yeah. is, yeah, go ahead. Uh, in villages of mm -hmm. uh, Orissa or even in India at large, there were people who were not at all worried, and they would always say. That this will not touch us. So what happened is the government somewhere has not been able to really make a difference there. Right. And the local administration, whether it is a collector or whether mm -hmm. it is the sub collector or whether yeah. it is the additional decision magistrate, ADM, yeah. these people yeah. were not suitably empowered yeah. to really take that on as a mandate right. and drive. So again, right. I think uh, it was good that we had leaders coming up and talking about it. Mm. But in conjunction to it, probably the administration at the district level was uh, not moved adequately uh, to drive. And that could be an area of uh, focus. Yeah, mm. definitely. Because it, it kind of, it definitely all boils down to that because there's just so many subdivisions of kind of like over overlooking 
organizations or branches of government or administration, whatever you call it, right? Because you can keep going smaller and smaller, even from what you mentioned, uh, Professor Prakash, yeah. you could go even smaller, you could go to panchayat level yes. or sub-panchayat level. And then, you you know, you're talking about places that have 20 people and then there's two people who basically tell them what's going on. Yeah. So it's it's tricky for sure but i guess at the at the at the higher level at the top level as far as governments working together uh you know there's there's been a lot of interaction between indian and australian governments in the past we just saw uh we just yes. saw a, a joint strategic cooperation agreement uh we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of collaboration in uh, the fields of uh, medical research and the military and so on and so forth yeah. Um, I guess uh, as far as the fields that uh, the both of you are involved in, which is uh, the legal system and uh, education, largely speaking, uh, what kind of uh, crossover or collaboration do you see happening between India and Australia? And uh, does and in what role can the NCP program play in that? Yeah, I think one of the primary areas which it can NCP can contribute. Is giving a direct exposure to the students and opening the opportunities because we need uh, to complement each other, and yeah. that is one area which I feel we can cross collaborate between Australia and uh, you know India. Mm. So, kind of expanding the opportunities of allowing students to exchange back and forth between yeah. India and Australia. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with Professor Prakash. Um, education is probably the number one that I would say Australia mm -hmm. and India can, you know, correlate with each other. Um, sending definitely. more Indian students here to Australia, teaching them the hands-on trade, um, the vocational trade, and then the Indian students going back to India and, you know, teaching the other Indian students that sort of teaching that we do here in Australia. I think that would be yeah. pretty powerful, Yeah. Definitely. So one of the add-on points which I want to say, we have something yeah. called as a Gramtrang, which is a, an entity of the university and you would be very surprised that we are operating with a lot many Australian practices and that is yeah. what we have introduced as Emily just now mentioned, uh, the trade practices and it's a hands-on and it is really giving them employment. Mm. Oh, and that's a big thing. That's a huge difference. Mm. Uh, having said this, one of the other things which we have done is we have taken a lot of frameworks from Australia, which we have mm. actually implemented in the university. And we are a skill university. And we find that there is a lot of opportunity which we are able to pass on to the students. So employment in this country, as you know, is one of the yeah. primary FC and one of the primary focus. And Definitely. we, as a university, think about uh, inclusive development program, which means that any walk of life, whether it is even disabled students, we want them to engage in the university and then we should be able to give them something in return. Because we focus down the pyramid and not up the pyramid. Mm -hmm. And having said this, I think there is a great opportunity to collaborate and uh, be able to bring it up. And when I'm talking about the university, I'm obviously talking about the country. Definitely. Because university is universal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, making making this kind of education accessible is is definitely a top priority, especially now 
And I think that's one of the, you know, I wouldn't say positives, but it is one of the kind of silver linings of the pandemic is that I feel that a lot of these resources have now become more accessible than ever. I mean, even the fact that we're able to record this from three different places in the world yeah. and exchange this information, uh, but also the amount of people who are engaging in distance learning and taking classes online and they're able to, and a lot of universities are now offering a lot of their resources online because they know that they can reach more people than ever before. And obviously, you know, distance learning isn't preferred over in-person learning, but, you know, we kind of have to make do with what we have. And uh, it's not so bad when uh, there can be this massive wealth of information that we can share with more and more people. So I absolutely agree. And I think COVID has added more to it, uh, making yeah. everything available online. And I think we can collaborate much more intensely in an online kind of a mode. And I think COVID has taught us, I think the whole world, in some places maybe more, some places less. But I think online is the way to go uh, as we yeah. move forward for, uh, because there could be another pandemic. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I don't think we are all uh, any more uh, uh, secure. Definitely. Yeah, the future is definitely seems a bit uncertain at the moment. Mm. Yeah, But, uh, you know, now it's uh, been... Say, so I guess almost a year since uh, you did your program in India, right, Emily? Yes, yes. Close will be a year. And uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, a lot of people who might be listening to this podcast might actually consider participating in the NCP program or they might, you know, look to doing such an international cultural exchange program whenever that's possible. But, you know, people might be interested in doing something like that. And um, I was just wondering if you could you know, again, just reiterate, uh, you know, some of the positive things that you that you gain from your experience and why you would recommend the NCP program to other students and scholars and researchers like yourself. Well, first of all, um, you know, India sounded like an amazing opportunity to actually go and study in. And it wasn't until I got there that, um, you know, you heard people talk about Indian culture, the Indian food, um, the Indian atmosphere, but it's not until you get there where you really get to experience it for yourself and see it. And, um, you know, being exposed to the, such an amazing culture, it's it's definitely changed, you know, my way of thinking and my way of life um, since leaving India. Um, I've looked at things in life a lot differently compared to what I used to when, before I left Australia um, mm. and being grateful for what I have here um, because, you know, a lot of people in India or across the world, not just India, um, have far less than we have here in Australia. You know, I will never forget um, the people that we got to meet, the people that um, got to change our challenge our thinking, um, taught us different things, um, seeing the schools firsthand, um, seeing how education is, you know, becoming the way of life there in India. Um, yeah, it was just an amazing opportunity. The teachers, the professors, yeah, I, I couldn't have asked for a better trip, to be honest. It was, it was amazing. Mm -hmm.